morning. My name is Rufus Williams, and I am one of your elders here at Parkway. It's my privilege to bring you the Word of God this morning. The title of my message is The Love of God in Christ. And I just lost connection, it says. I'll try again. Okay. The love of God in Christ and our scripture passages from Romans 5, 6 through 11. If you would turn with me there in your Bibles and stand. As I read the passage, please follow along. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your abundant love, for your mercy and grace. I pray now that you would take your word and that you would sanctify your people. That you would speak to those who may be among us who don't know you that you would save them. I pray, Father, that you would exalt your love in our midst, that the name of Jesus would be praised. In his name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Earlier in the service, we read a passage of scripture from Ephesians. Chapter 3, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's where Paul, it's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And what he prays for them is that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that they would know this together with all of the saints. Well, it's my desire today to exalt the love of God in Christ for us, that our view of God's love would become bigger, that we would be rooted and grounded in his love, and that we would grow together in our knowledge of God's love. We're going to be looking at three characteristics of God's love from this passage, and then we're going to look at what our response should be to his love. So, <clears throat> Our key verse is going to be verse 8, which should be a familiar verse to most of us if we're believers or if we've been in church for a while. Romans 5, verse 8 reads, 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The first characteristic that I want, to see, I want us to see about God's love is that it is proactive. It is God-initiated. It wasn't our idea. God demonstrates his love for us. It's not a man-manipulated or compulsory action, but it's an action that is originating from within himself, which flows from his eternal purposes and is intended to display his desires and his affections. The second characteristic that I want us to see from this passage is that he demonstrates his own love. His own love. That is to say it's personal. It's personal. It's not subject to my opinion of what his love should be. It is God-defined. Not love as we define it, but love as he defines it. Deliberate affection overflowing from the abundance of his glory and his character. And it is the central characteristic of his being. We're told elsewhere in the New Testament that God is love. God is love. This is the love that we're talking about this morning. Now, lest you think I'm going to be done in five minutes because I'm going through my slides very quickly... This is the third principle and the one that we're going to spend most of our time on. And that's found in this portion of these verses. He demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This characteristic of his love is what I call paradoxical. It's puzzling. It's seemingly absurd or self-contradictory. It's the opposite of what you might think. Now, the reason why I say that is because it's not how we view love. It's contrary to how we feel about love. Our natural experience of love exalts the object of our love or affection. Because we demonstrate love to people or things which we feel deserve our love. Contrary to this perspective, God's love does not exalt the object of his love or affection because we are not deserving of it. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is God-exalting. Because we are not the lovable ones. We are, in fact, perfectly unlovable. Jesus Christ, the one perfectly lovable man in human history, died in our place. In spite of our repulsiveness, he became our substitute when he died upon the cross. It was not because we were attractive to him or worthy of his love that he died for us. His love is God-exalting because the most lovable died for the unlovables. Not because we were lovable, not because we deserve his love, not because we earned his affection. No, simply out of the abundance of his goodness and grace, springing from his desire to reconcile and redeem us to be his children and to accomplish for us 
our greatest eternal good. Look at how we're described in this passage apart from the love of God. Look at what it says. First in verse 6, it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, at just the right time. Now, what does this tell us about God's love? At just the right time, he's saying, while you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless to do anything about our separation from him. We were powerless to do anything to reconcile us to him. He did the work for us. It also says in verse 6 that we were ungodly. In other words, we were unlike God in our moral character and qualities. This, there is nothing about us that he would find attractive or that in our way of thinking that he would find lovable. No reason for him to want to show his affection to us because of anything in and of ourselves. Verse 8, we've already read, while we were still sinners. Now this is an old-fashioned word, but this is the word that's used in this passage nonetheless. It means that we have disobeyed and displeased God. We have rebelled against God. We have violated his moral law and righteous requirements of us. We have removed our creator from the throne of our lives, and we have exalted ourselves above him. This is what it means to be a sinner. Now, sin expresses itself in different ways. Adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, cheating. These are some of the big ones, and they're more obvious for us to see. But I fear that we fail to see sin as sin in ourselves because it is sometimes easier to see in others. For instance, we may see arrogance or gluttony in someone else, but fail to see bitterness or racism in ourselves. We see outbursts of anger in others, but fail to see gossip or greed or lust in ourselves. Nevertheless, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. And as such, the text tells us that we are worthy of God's wrath. Apart from the love of God, he says in verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? In other words, apart from God's love intervening, we are worthy of his wrath. We're not worthy of his love. We're worthy of his wrath. And as such, he says that we are enemies of God. In verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled him to, to him through the death of his son. In other words, because of our condition as sinners, we are considered to be enemies of God, not friends. Enemies, not friends. This is who we are apart from his love. This is who 
he chooses to love. Powerless, ungodly sinners, worthy of his wrath, who are his enemies. This is who God chooses to love. We cannot know his love until we first see ourselves in this way. We must. But look at what God has accomplished for those he loves. Look at what he's accomplished for those he loves. Let's read verses 9 and 10 together. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The first thing we're told is that we are justified by Christ's blood, justified by his blood. In other words, we're made right with God because the debt of our sin was paid by Christ's death. Now, we use the word justified differently, you know, in our modern vernacular. Most of the time, it's when we're in an argument with someone, usually someone who's close to us, a friend or family member, and we say something to the effect of, you're just trying to justify yourself. Really, what we're saying is you're just making up excuses for what you did, trying to make it look like you did the right thing when you didn't, right? That's what we mean when we say justified. But when the Bible says justified, it's saying that, We are made right with God by the blood of his son. Our actions are all wrong. There's no excuse for them. But the sacrifice that he paid upon the cross for us, the shedding of his blood, paid the price so that now we can be made right with God. We are justified by his blood. His death as our substitute was acceptable to God because his life was sinless and acceptable, unlike ours. The passage also tells us that we are saved from God's wrath. We are saved from his wrath. We no longer need to fear God's eternal punishment of our sin because the death of Christ was eternally sufficient. We are reconciled to God. We are no longer enemies who are separated from our creator. The death of Christ reunites us because he removed the hostility that was between us. His death brings peace between us and God because it was God who is in Christ reconciling the world to himself according to 2 Corinthians 5.19. And finally, it says that we are saved from death. We are saved from death. If his death brought reconciliation, that is, brought us, reunited us with God, then his resurrection has brought us eternal salvation. We will have ultimate victory over death because of his resurrection life. When he returns, we will be raised to everlasting life, and we will be made like him when we see him as he is. Rather than leaving us in our 
powerless, sinful condition. God chose to love us. He chose to love us to this degree that Christ died for us to accomplish these things. Now, there are some who would have us ponder the love of God without addressing the issue of our sin. As if God's love were simply a really good feeling of positive energy that we need to tap into. Well, this would be like seeing the Grand Canyon or gazing into a starry sky and not pausing to consider the creator of it. Why do I say that? Well, because it's a lot easier. Just ignore the sin. Don't pause. Don't wonder. It's a lot easier. Because it doesn't address the question of why are we separated from him? Well, our sin is the answer to the question. Our sin is the reason that we are separated from God. And our sin is what God, in his abundant love, has chosen to deal with through the death and resurrection of his son. He didn't ignore it. Isn't that interesting? We want to ignore it, but he didn't. This is the message of the gospel. It's the good news, and it's throughout the New Testament, throughout the scriptures. John 3.16, probably the you know, most popular verse citing, though most people may not know what it actually says, but for God so loved, he so loved. What, is, what do we mean by so loved? It doesn't mean he so loved, like great big love. It means he loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, we saw this earlier. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, another word for sin. It is by grace you have been saved. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we seek to separate the love of God from the cross of Christ and our sinfulness, we do not magnify his love. We distort it and we diminish it. So what should be our response to this love of God in Christ? Well, first and foremost, our response should be faith. Our response should be faith. If you're here today and you want to know the love of God, then you must first believe. 
you must acknowledge your status as an enemy of God and believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins in order to reconcile you to God and that he was raised from the dead by the power of God in order to grant you everlasting life. There is no forgiveness apart from faith. Look at what Paul writes in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, he says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He uses the same terminology, justified by faith and justified by his blood. In other words, we are made right with God by faith in the blood of his son. There is no forgiveness for you apart from faith in the blood of his son. Now this message of faith is also for us who are already trusting in Christ. I know that there are times when we don't experience the love of God. Times when we feel that his love is far from us. Times when we question God's goodness and we question his actions in our lives. Most often, these are times when we have looked away from the cross of Christ and we have forgotten the great love with which he loved us. We begin to think that if God loves us, he should give us what we want in this life. In that respect, we're a lot like our high school dating debacles. Um, hopefully, it was, it's been since high school since this has happened to you. But it's one of those things where we think, well, I'm not going to talk to him until he does this for me or until she does that for me. I'm not, I mean, think of the fickleness of what we think is love, our human experience of this. So we think that somehow God's not loving us because he's not doing what I want him to do? That's not the love of God. That's a wrong understanding of the love that God has for us. Because the love that he has for us is so powerful and so passionate. It is even so violent that he would put to death his own son for us. So that he could make us sons and daughters for all eternity. His love doesn't mean that we're going to get what we want in this life. His love means we're going to get more than we could ever ask or imagine in the life to come. That's what it means. We are full of weakness and we easily stray from the God who redeemed us. 
we must repent of our sin, renew our minds on the work of Christ, and refresh our souls on the promise of the resurrection. This life is not the end. Now, how else should we respond? Our second response to the love of God in Christ should be that we rejoice. Paul says in verse 11, not only is this so, not only will we be saved by his life, his resurrection, he says, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice in God as a result of this great love that he has shown us, this great salvation that he has granted us. As we grow in our understanding of the depth of his love, we ought to grow in our worship and admiration of him. How can we not? How can we not rejoice and worship the God who has reconciled us to himself? We who were his enemies, unattractive and unlovable. How can we not rejoice to know him, to know this love that surpasses knowledge? May we grow deeper in our knowledge of his love and may we worship him more fervently together as his redeemed people. Will you stand with me? as I pray. Father, I give you thanks for your abundant love. I do pray, Lord, that you would show us your glory in the face of Christ because of your abundant love. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.